All right, and in closing, uh, please stop leaving your babies unattended in your yard or at the store or at the mall. Uh, your neighbors are not going to raise these kids for you, folks. It's your responsibility. Now, moving on to new business. Uh, it just says here, Dr. Tongue Issue. Uh, Must I be beset on all sides by your contemptible, small-minded hectoring? Oh, order, order. Now, now Dr. Tongue... Your yard stands in wild defiance of the Homeowners Association bylaw. Act immediately to rectify this, or you're going to face a steep fine. Men of science have neither the time nor the inclination for such drudgery. I assure you that my verdant fields of pulsating pods can police themselves. You're you're missing the point, sir. Uh, your, Your yard ate my dog. Scruffins is gone, Dr. Tongue. And many of the neighborhood children have been lost in that hedge maze. And the chainsaw noises coming from that maze are well above loud decibel levels. These accusations are just a distraction from the issue at hand. Why did you deny my request to install Tesla coils on the perimeter? Now, Dr. Tom, we've been over this again and again. All Tesla coils over 30 feet require a zoning variance. This is a witch hunt! A witch hunt! Which reminds me, a, a sizable coven of witches escaped from my compound last night. Witches? I am at wit's end with this association of homeowners. At last, feel the wrath of my fellow machinations. <laughs> Dr. Tom, will you turn yourself into a giant spider at every meeting? All right, everyone. See to the exit in orderly fashion. And on the way, be sure to watch out for fireballs. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And on this episode, we are talking about Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Which is an action arcade game developed by LucasArts and published by Konami in September of 1993. Uh, yeah, this is it was a game that was released you know, right in the height of the, the console wars. And this was released for, for both systems that, were, that meant anything at the time, the, the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. And uh, it's currently available on the Wii via the virtual console. Where Sega and Nintendo are together once more. Finally, the, utop- <laughs> the utopia of our youth Gosh, has, has come to fruition. Both sides of the playground just dropping down arms and coming together to hug each other as brothers once more. <laughs> <laughs> the game. You were, uh, just just to, to verify, you, you were a Nintendo, Super Nintendo kid. Uh, actually, no. I was a no. Genesis kid. I owned both. Wow. But uh, because I liked the Sonic games uh, so much, um, and I and I am aware that my position is not vindicated by history, and I, and 
It's it's okay. No one's no one's judging you now. You're in a safe place. I'm through fighting old wars, Gary. Just just, just think of this as the campus women's resource center <laughs> for, for recovering sake. <laughs> well, the game's premise um, and plot <laughs> are both ridiculously simple. Uh, a mad scientist named Doctor Tongue has released countless horror movie monsters on the neighborhood, and it's up to teenagers. 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 Yeah, there's just there's two of them and they're neighbors. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's up to two teenagers named Zeke and Julie to stop them and save their neighbors. Um, and this game actually had a tremendous emphasis on uh, what is now called co-op play, but what used to be called two-player play. Right, right. This is the kind of the the platonic ideal of zombies at my neighbors. Is playing this on a on a well-worn couch with a buddy, and uh, you play at the same time. There's no split screen. And, uh, you know, you're, you're both working together for the same goal. And we'll get to why it works best that way a little bit later when we discuss uh, our, our, our frustrations. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, th- this was a this was a big, big selling point uh, for the game, um, kind of along with its sense of humor. Um, there, this is a, a pretty sizable game. There's around 50 levels and they're kind of maze like uh, designs set in neighborhood locations. So so places like. Uh, just like groups of houses or shopping malls, and then every once in a while pyramids, too. Um, <laughs> pyramids and, and, and beaches, and yeah. right. You know, so they make varying degrees of sense. So you kind of go to these various locations, and you have to rescue your neighbors before they're eaten. And uh, if all the neighbors are killed, it's an instant game over. And uh, if you are killed, you have three lives. You know, starting out, then it's game over. And the way you kind of accomplish this and fight the monsters off of off of your neighbors is you get a wide variety of weapons. None of which are actual weapons except for, oddly enough, a bazooka. Everything else um, is either some form of common household item or ancient artifact. Right. And, and you're left to kind of puzzle out which, what each monster's weakness is to choose the right tool for the job. So it's like a Mega Man rock, paper, scissors kind of, uh, kind of guessing game to a certain extent until you figure out uh, how to most effectively vanquish your foes. Uh, when this game came out, it was really well received. It received great reviews and eventually became kind of a cult classic. Um, it didn't have a really long legacy, though. There's a direct sequel called Ghoul Patrol um, for Super Nintendo that is not great and is also you know widely considered not to be great and then the same kind of mechanics and setup were used for a playstation game called herx adventures have you played either of those cole i personally have not i remember seeing ghoul patrol um in a kmart on a shelf and thinking huh that looks like zombies ate my neighbors and then not giving it giving it a second thought until uh very recently actually so it's good to know that my initial suspicion was uh was confirmed i guess yeah i i, uh, I fired up a a rom of it because i don't think this is widely available and i just wanted to check it out and you know necessarily want to play through it since it's got such a bad reputation uh, just in preparation for this episode, and it is I can confirm that it is not as fun. There is a more recent game that was really kind of informed by Zombies Ate My Neighbors um, that I have not played um, and that got okay reviews. It was on the Xbox 360 and it's called Monster Madness, something mm-hmm. like that, um, and it was a very similar top-down style action game, and it was kind of a, kind of an ersatz homage to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, unfortunately. Uh, I have no idea how to get my hands on a copy. Yeah, I, I watched a YouTube video of that. Does it look good? It doesn't look as good visually. You know, it's not it's not sprite based and it doesn't you know, it's not as attractive looking. It looks kind of fun, but it also and you can't really tell from watching a YouTube video, and this is something we'll talk about a little bit when we talk about the gameplay of zombies at my neighbors, but it looks like a dual stick Ooh, shooter. Yeah. But that would change the way this played a lot. Oh, it certainly would. 
talk to us a little bit about uh, the basic gameplay, Cole? Yeah. Well, this episode is going to kind of take a more uh, non-linear approach to the game, whereas a lot of our previous games, you know, we could kind of proceed sequentially through uh, the, 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 the levels or the scenarios that the game presents. Um, this one, it, it, it really isn't that remarkable from level to level. There are certain, you know, kind of outliers, you know, ones that you can comment on specifically. Uh, but in general, you, you know, the way that I personally am going to approach this is to, is to take, you know, general positives and general, uh, kind of observations about the game and contrast those with, uh, with frustrations that I have. So we'll see if this, uh, wild experiment in podcasting, <laughs> <laughs> will uh, will work out for us, but not, uh, yeah, I'm not going to call us heroes for trying this. But, <laughs> but if you want to, yeah, the, I will. Uh, the yeah the um, I was talking to the listeners. <laughs> I will the, I will not the, deny you the pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are a couple levels that are definitely kind of outliers that that we will talk about because there there are a few that influence. I would say influence the gameplay, but there are a couple that do. And when they do, it's always really welcome. Well, one thing that I can say that strikes me, you know, that struck me, you know, even years ago when I first played it, the game looks really, really good. And that presentation, you know, that that's not just like, oh, the sprites are drawn well or they're animated or something like that. There's there's a lot to be said for being able to readily identify uh, what's on the screen in front of you. But it lends this kind of consistency to the world because Mm -hmm. not only do you uh find you know monsters in places where it would make sense you know zombies in graveyards and gigantic horrible blobs next to overturned cans of you know sludge uh right. but you also find weapons in places that you know are consistent with the locale that you're exploring so knives and forks in the kitchen and plates in the kitchen and uh fire extinguishers you know in in uh in school buildings and things like that so it, it, that that is kind of cool and it shows this really kind of uh, uh strong attention to detail that went into the game uh as a whole right it's it's part of that kind of intersection with the real world you're doing the the weapons as these everyday items that that kids could get a hold of, um, but they actually have this utility. Um, it was really smart on behalf of the designers. That was one of my favorite things growing up, and it it's this weird kind of half paying homage to to reality and half not. You know, whereas you know if, if I were to fight off a, a zombie invasion as a as a twelve year old, you know, I probably would have things like you know weed whackers and. Uh, you know, soda cans and stuff. But then they also, they behave in ways you don't expect, but also in ways that are kind of in line with the item's property. Um, in the game, instead of grenades, you get six packs of, of soda. Love and, those. Uh, yeah, they blow up in a big fizzy mass and act <laughs> just like a, like a grenade. And it's just really fun. Like, I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, but one of the things that I um, had, had done is I created like a utility belt for myself with with um, with things that I thought, you know, if I were to, I don't know, like just in make-believe land, like fight monsters or whatever, that would be neat. So I had like a yeah. Chinese yo-yo and I had like a thing of dental floss, like if I had to like rappel down a building, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. and, and that came to a tragic conclusion when I tried to and, and I've been uh, paralyzed <laughs> oh. from the waist down. <laughs> It's, you know, it's amazing that you have that voice module hooked up. You know, what the listeners don't know is that you speak to me by blinking. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, 23 blinks for for 
uh, this kind of laugh. <laughs> and then 24 blinks for, <laughs> and I just, I just blink so fast. And, and for that, I do call you a hero. But, <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you but, thank you but uh, um, just such a so brave podcasting with your condition no but the, but it is like that that nice uh that nice almost uh like not dennis the menace not uh it's like pretend time you know yeah like, yeah totally yeah ex- ex- except except for real and with movie monsters and you know the movie monsters weaknesses are informed by you know the movies that they come from so the werewolves are weak to silverware and vampires are weak to plates for some reason i don't know <laughs> well also the the there's a couple of different things that will kill those vampires but and and sometimes they make sense and sometimes they don't which i guess would be uh you know kind of a frustration with this game i you know the first time i discovered that uh throwing popsicles were what killed blobs <laughs> i i remember even as a little kid just thinking what the fuck <laughs> you know like how was, how was i supposed to know that without just trying every weapon on these things, which I did because those things are terrible. That's a terrible monster. Ah, the worst. Um, there, there really is like a stratification of the enemies. There are the ones that are just kind of there to be in your way, and there are the ones that will fuck you up if you right. don't if you let them pile up. You know, and when you're fighting these monsters, the, the main reason why you fight them, almost any enemy can only do one damage to you, and you have you know standard 10, 10 life points. But you're really trying to protect these neighbors, and the way it works is that your total carries on from level to level. So you start out with ten victims. And if you save them all, then you have 10 next level. But if you lose one, then the next level you have 9, and then 8, and then 7 as you lose them, as you continue. And it only takes you know a monster touching one of these these people for them to die. So it's really easy to watch your, your victim total go down pretty quick. Yeah, and you'll find yourself with one victim in a level, and you're just rushing to find them. And right. uh, unless you know where they are, it can actually be really sucky because, in general, they're really only vulnerable to monsters while you're on the screen with them. Um, yeah, that's a, such a weird... I didn't notice that when I was little, but that's such a weird mechanic in this game that I paid tons of attention to playing through now is managing your line of sight. Like, you have to, it is a disadvantage to see where a victim is if you can't get to them. Exactly. So like they're on the other side of the hedge or a wall, then you're done. Right. That's a that's a terrible idea, and you should immediately turn back. <laughs> and you have to, and it's, it's frustrating. There's a, a radar you can pull up that shows where victims are in relation to you within, uh, I think, three screens total. So, And uh, kind of strangely, just as a quick note, I did not know about this when I was a kid. I don't know how. But I played through the entire game without it as a little kid. <laughs> um, coming back to it, though, I, I used it. And it, it became it was useful, but also a huge frustration because you'd be heading towards a blip on your radar and then run into a wall, see the, the victim on the other side being menaced by something. And if you're lucky, you can turn around and get the victim off screen in time to save them. Which it's funny that you put it that way, because I recall very distinctly, again, when I was young playing the game, um, the idea that putting on the radar was a considered risk and having the radar on made it more likely for the monsters to find the victims as well. There was nothing for us to really base that supposition on, but it does make sense that given right, the scenario that you play, said, yeah, yeah, it would influence your play in a way that made the, the victims more at risk. Yeah. That's so, really, yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so it would always be like you, I put on the, put on the radar for just like a second and then hop back to it. <laughs> you know to having it without because i wouldn't want the monsters to see them so so yeah that does make a weird kind of like you know third grade sense and it, it's not it's not quite as cheap as as you know it, it sounds you know if you get down to one victim um there's kind of in most levels not all levels there's like a safe victim which would be the last one and they're either inside a house or they're on a trampoline 
you know, monsters can't jump on trampolines. Um, or they're uh, in a swimming pool and there are no water enemies. So there's mm-hmm. usually like a safe victim, and that one tends to be your last victim. So yeah. at least for the first, I would say, half of the game, they're a little more gentle with that. For as difficult as the game is, the, the, the first, I'd say, third to a, to a half of it, it actually does manage to, you know, kind of kind of ease you into it for, you know, for, for a while, at least, before mm-hmm. it just yanks the rug out from under you. Right. And this is, I think, the kind of the strongest part of the game. You know, once you get past that point and the levels really ramp up in difficulty... I feel like the designers didn't quite know how to make this more challenging and still have it feel fair. Like they kind of just pile, you know pile on more victims that are in instant distress, you know, victims that are starting out in a dangerous area and it's really just a matter of chance whether you're able to get to them before before the enemy does. And there's just kind of more and more of that in the second half of the game. And in the first half of the game, you know, it's it's better at presenting novel situations to you because this is the first time that you see this kind of enemy. So mm-hmm. they'll they'll often maybe just throw that level's enemy at you plus maybe a monster or two. Right. And you know, you just have to kind of learn how to deal with it, but it gets much more complicated as you go on and they start ta- and they start stacking monsters on top of monsters and right. you're running around cycling through your inventory like a madman trying to uh, you know, throw paper to their rock or scissor to their paper. Right, and that that's a weakness not just in the design, but I also kind of felt in the presentation. You know, for the first uh, half of the game, the levels are really thematic, and that's really awesome. Like, you you know, there's a zombie level, and then there's a level that is based on um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Love it. Where, yeah, that, that's awesome. It's just everyone is a clone of you, and uh, that's really cool, and the levels are really consistent. And then as you get later, it's just, okay, this level has Creatures of the Black Lagoon, couple frankensteins ants and zombies and it, it kind of loses that movie feel that was so neat for the first half you know kind of in, in pursuit of that additional challenge and each of the levels you know speaking of that movie feel each of the level starts with a title card that is based on actual movie titles it's kind of neat because you know in a couple of lines of text they pretty much inform you of exactly what you're going to be expecting in that and they're funny it is lucas arts so you know you know, the whole game has that kind of sense of humor, not just with the, with the weapons and the title cards and the animation, but there's some some just kind of uh, fun, goofy things about the game. There are those those clones uh, that I talked about, the, the body snatchers. Yeah. Um, there's only a, uh, you know, the, the neighbors themselves are real kind of goofy cartoon caricatures. You know, there's it's like a an explorer and a, a set of tourists, and it's you know like a fat Midwestern couple. Um, you know, and that just everybody, it's it's kind of got this you know real day of the tentacle looking kind of exaggerated proportions yeah. to the people. I think one of my favorite touches, um, and, and it shows a contempt for these neighbors that really uh, I don't even think I could match. But uh, uh, one of the items that you get, uh, and that actually is really, really useful with certain types of enemies, is uh, a bunch of like inflatable clowns that'll mm-hmm. laugh. <laughs> and uh, those actually act as decoys um, and act as victims. So any monster that's on the screen will flock towards them as if they were a victim. So you can actually buy yourself some time or draw them away from actual victims. But it's like, hey, you clown, stop yeah. it, you <laughs> dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the most uh, like useful items. The way that this game kind of works with that is, you know, things that you can pick up are separated into two categories kind of uh, utility items, and then weapons. And uh, you, you, know, you fire the weapons, use the items with X and Y, and cycle with them, cycle through them with A and B. 
And uh, the weapons tend to be some kind of projectile. Uh, there's a couple melee items. Uh, I think Weed Whacker is the main one, which is a really, really useful. That's so powerful, too. It's uh, That's actually was my go-to item for vampires. I found that oh, to be really? a little bit quicker than uh, the cross. Because it just it fires so quickly. Mm-hmm. It just you hold it on them like a... Like a like the chainsaw and doom, and then the other you know are kind of utility items. So your healing items, um, you can get a pair of running shoes that boost your speed. Um, those those clowns that we had talked about, and uh, you know there aren't quite as many of those items, but um, you know those are kind of the more like the utility things, the useful things. Yeah, and speaking of useful, that red potion. Uh, and speaking of vampires, actually, you know there are a lot of enemies that I I I don't know how I could have possibly beaten them if i had not held on to those red potions until times of just absolute emergency the 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 potions uh and we called them the purple potion back when i was young because they turned you into this big furry purple monstrosity who uh, was invincible and could punch holes through walls Mm -hmm. yeah which is really cool like it has that kind of double utility um because you have to get keys in this game so there are locked doors there are also a lot of the scenery is breakable which is really cool um, all the buildings have sections that are that are cracked that can be destroyed. All the hedge mazes have kind of weaker sections. And uh, if you don't have a key or a bazooka, um, you can turn into this monster to b- bash through them. But mostly you would do this to, to be invincible for a time and to deal a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, it only lasts about 30 seconds, but it's one of the best power-ups that I can think of from this era. It's super empowering, especially like when you punch out like three vampires in some of those later levels. Vampires being one of the tougher monsters in the game. <sighs> because they can teleport away from you. Yeah, they, 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 they're, they're really obnoxious. They kind of follow like a monster hierarchy. Yeah. You know, like a standard, like zo- you know, kind of foot soldier monsters, like zombies and, and clones, and then get kind of tougher as it goes. Yeah, a lot of the monsters, especially the vampires, and then the uh, the Frankenstein's monsters. I wish there was a more elegant way to uh, to, to talk about them. The the, the flesh golems. Yes, there we go. Mm, yeah, the flesh there golems. <laughs> um, uh, they act as kind of mid bosses, and the, the the actual bosses in this game are just some of the most heinous creations known to man. Yeah, <laughs> there's and there's no, there's so few of them. I mean, you do fifty levels, and they're really only like three three or four boss fights. You know, in the game, the fifty-foot baby. Yeah, that, that's kind of the most, and that's what a lot of people remember about this game. Um, you know, when they when they talk about it, and I think that's partially because, you know, that's kind of the difficulty starts ramping up shortly thereafter. You fight the fifty-foot baby, yeah. um, and it's such an awesome sequence. Like the baby has unique music, uh, which has these little like baby samples, and it is it's just a fifty-foot baby. And he shoots uh, milk at you out of his bottle. Yeah, yeah, squirts milk at you, and then <laughs> when you when you kill it, it doesn't die. It turns into a regular baby. It's it's been mutated by Doctor Tongue somehow, <laughs> but uh, it's frustrating as fuck to fight. God, like it is not. So it it does the thing where if it hits you, it stomps you flat, like cartoon flat, which is cute. But you're not invincible for a second afterwards. Yeah. So the baby just feels like just kind of running around in your area. It can pretty much kill you without you getting a chance to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not stunned at all by any attacks. It's so fast so, too. It scatters so around quick. like a fucking mosquito. <laughs> it's like the fastest, and it should be this big lumbering, powerful thing. But it's just this super fast, like. And the first like, you run into it at a level, it's just kind of a neighborhood level, and there are tons of regular babies just crawling around at its feet. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so the uh, you know your victims are really in danger. If you go to try to use any mobility in this boss fight, you're going to get victims on the screen, which is going to expose them to the baby. <laughs> so it's really easy to lose a few few victims on this fight. And can we take a moment to talk really quickly about how weird it is in a modern day and age to go back and play a game where it is possible for a baby to die? 
Yeah, and not just possible, but likely and frequent. <laughs> like, it, it, like a little baby angel flies up playing a harp. It's <laughs> yeah. There's just so many like there's babies just hanging out outside of town, just you know playing in the yard. Everyone's. I love it when you run into you walk up to a baby and there's a baby there playing, and then there's some asshole barbecuing, <laughs> like next. You know, just like save that baby, you monster. <laughs> like, you know, what are you doing? But it's but it's interesting to note that this game does predate the ESRB. Um, oh and, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that. And, and I'm looking at the case right here, and there's no uh, there's no E10 plus or there's no KA is what they used to call it. Okay, you know, kids mm-hmm. do adults at least here in the states. But uh, but yeah, there 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 was the usual Nintendo censorship. If you played it on the Super Nintendo, um, all of the blood was purple. It's just slime. You know, it's science slime. Yeah, it's science slime. It's science yeah. cute. Um, yeah. yeah and uh and on the genesis it was red but the game was also awful you're so. right it's well worth uh, like many games from this era that were on cross-platform it's worth dealing with the nintendo censorship to use a controller with more than three buttons you know the, the game plays a lot better on the super nintendo than it does on the genesis and it's worth noting too that the color palette is a little bit more limited on the genesis um and also a large portion of your screen is taken up on the right side with a with kind of like this HUD bar. That's just a big, ugly black bar that has your radar and uh, and your health information on it. So you're working with uh, what looks kind of like a Galaga screen uh, when mm. when really being able to see the world around you in a maze based game. Who knew uh, is important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the, the Super Nintendo version just does that with overlays. Yeah. You know, just uh, semi transparent overlays. Over over the screen, it's so important. And it's so no, it's so great that the Wii Virtual Console version is the Super Nintendo version, uh, because right. that could have that could have gone very badly. One of the reasons why that's so important is because even with the Super Nintendo, uh, cycling through weapons and items in this game is not very elegant. Oh. Um, you just kind of scroll through them one by one, and in a game that's as fast paced as this, and you know where having the right weapon at the right time is going to mean the difference between you know being able to save a victim and not having to click through each item individually and just pray that you don't miss it or accidentally <laughs> click one one time too many and have to go through it um, is already really frustrating i can't imagine what that would be like on the genesis where you know some combination of start and a must have you know pressing a cycles through weapons and holding down start cycles mm. through items or something like that yeah um that would have been a nightmare. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think the people who made that port were tried at the Hague. Um, but <laughs> but uh, uh, the, yes, the Xbox Live Arcade remake of this game should feature uh, radial uh, weapon select um, at the very least because because it is that 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 rock paper scissor and uh, you know especially in the later levels where you, you know you're rapidly switching between different enemy types you know inventory management becomes a real problem um, and that is one of those reasons why playing with a, a partner is uh, is important because you can kind of divide up the labor you can say hey i'll take all the weed whacker and I'll, I'll clear the weeds for you you know you can take all the all the all the cans of pop and so on and so forth down the line up until you start fighting over the purple potions right. but uh <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, the game um and I, I didn't play it two players for this playthrough for the podcast, but as a as a child playing through it, I don't remember. I remember it being balanced well for two players. You know, you're talking about fighting over the purple potions. As a playing it one player, um, you know, I had usually had like pretty pretty decent stockpiles of of potions. You know, I'd have a few at any given time. There's an item called Pandora's box that is kind of a 
designed to kill everybody on the screen. And the uh, I always had a couple of those um, up until I ran into boss fights, which would drain them. Um, but playing a two-player younger, I, I remember everybody getting you know a couple as well, like getting one or two. Um, so playing one through playing through one player, you kind of get a lot of resources, but it's still very difficult because you know you're fighting everything by yourself, and because you're more prone to being cheaply penalized, you know, losing a victim or losing health because of trying to fud- you know with the controls and so many of those boss battles are are very much designed with two people on mind i think specifically of the giant spider that lays down webs that have to be cleared with uh with, with a weed whacker um mm-hmm. and also the snake where you can kind of get one person to act as a as a lure to get it to come up in a way where you can fire a bazooka at it right and that is all the bosses up until the very end <laughs> yeah yeah there's really just the and even the, those snakes kind of show up every once in a while they're almost like uh somewhere between a mid boss and a, and a real boss and they're they're like tremors they're they're uh, you know, giant giant. They're called snakeoids, but they're they're just giant tremors monsters. And they're and one player, those things are really tough and really cheap because they they move. So something a, a general problem I have with the enemies in this game, and uh, is everything moves really fast. So fast. And that's not you. And it seems even unnaturally fast. They don't even look good animating that fast. You know that giant baby when zipping around like a you know like a gnat. It doesn't look very good for something that big and lumbering. You have these Tremors monsters, and they telegraph that they're going to pop out by the ground kind of rumbling, but then they just zip out and they wag their tongue back and forth really fast, and it's really hard not to get hit. So you, you run into some of these monsters that are that are really quick, that can give you all these cheap shots off on you, and uh, are just really damage sponges. You know, And that's where like if you're playing two-player, you're going to do better, and if you're real patient um, or lucky, you're going to do better with one player. I was really frustrated by them, and it's one of those things along along with the movement and where you're uh, and when you're playing by yourself, enemies, especially those ants, they track you. Yeah, of like you like you try and like get past them, you can't juke around them because they will always match whatever axis you're you're moving on. So it's really difficult to like do crowd control and like lure them into one concentration just because of the way they 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 choose their path. Um, right, and that—that's one of the things I can understand where that's part of the, where that's part of the uh, the difficulty, um, and why if they made it a twin stick shooter, it would probably diminish some of the uh, some of the game as well. Uh, saying that, I kind of I kind of feel like I'm defending like Resident Evil four or five for not letting you move while you shoot, but right. uh, it, it really is a kind of kind of a similar thing. But in Resident Evil four and five, the that's a much more considered game. Like when you're playing Resident Evil 4, you you come up on a situation. There are a couple you know parts where quick reflexes are are necessary, but even then, the kind of correct move is to withdraw until you have control of the situation. Yeah. In this game, there's really no way to do that. If something's chasing you and it's as fast as you, you're never going to get a chance to turn around and take aim. You know, let alone switch to the proper weapon. And some of the we- not all the weapons just fire in a linear line. Like those uh, grenade items we were talking about, you know, they have an arc to them. So you have to be a, a set distance away from the enemy. You have to lead the enemy to hit them. Um, so if you're fighting something that you want to use that grenade against, they're moving about as fast as you, and you can't fire while moving. Mm-hmm. You're kind of fucked. Yeah. And, and, and running away from them is just going to expose more victims that you're not prepared to rescue and put them in danger. And get more enemies onto your tail, too. Right. And, yeah. and you know, and there's, there's not, it's not like there's a limited supply of enemies in most levels. There's literally a handful where you can kill everybody in the level and explore it. Most of the time, the enemies are infinitely spawning. So even if you do manage to kill this one, you know, just that ant is a good, good example, kill this ant without taking a bunch of hits, then there's just going to be two more ants right after that. So I, you know, I understand that idea that, 
you know, having not being able, not being a dual stick shooter. Like, I don't think it would be good as a dual stick shooter. I just want everything to be a little bit slower. <laughs> like, they're giant monsters. Why can't they be big lumbering ants? Like, why do they have to be that fucking quick? You know, it would just be a lot more fun. You'd be able to juke them and kind of maneuver around them. Whereas in the actual game, it's really tough. I got two words for you, Gary. Monsters, monsters, and science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, guess, yeah, that is, that is true. Science uh, explains it all. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's Clarissa. But, uh, but, 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 <laughs> but uh, um, kind of along with, you know, different items having different trajectories, that's all well and cool. Like you can lob, you know, gr- the, the grenades, the soda, the pop, whatever it is. I'm from Ohio. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you can lob those over walls and things like that. But figuring out like what the effective uh way to use these it's it's really kind of difficult especially with how uh with how finicky the hit detection is in the game yeah yeah it's really easy to miss something um in in many ways like it's really easy to miss a a bad guy with an item it's even easy to miss a victim trying to rescue them like you don't have to do anything you just have to touch a victim and you get the points and they're saved but i can you know i can't count the number of times I, i was being pursued by something ran towards a cheerleader to have the cheerleader jump over me or feel, at least it feels like that. Like the tier yeah. leaders just kind of do this jump. I feel like I'm right on target with her and run right past her and then have to scramble and try to turn around quick enough before whatever was chasing me got to her. The, the hitbox should be as big as the character's sprite, but it's very, very easy because the hitbox is really only on where their shadow is to just kind of like run in circles past them, you know. Meanwhile, monsters are ganging up on you, trying to uh, to trying to rescue them. And even you know, even kind of figuring out how to use the weapons with with their hit detection and their arc and everything. It's also you know there are weapons that I never really found a good use for in the game. Tomatoes. And I, I wanted uh, yeah tomatoes. Yeah, that's that's a good example. <laughs> it's a good example. I'm not sure exactly what you do with tomatoes footballs. And it seems like this should be <laughs> this would almost figure itself out and be you know the answer to my own question. But there are also many enemies I never really found a good way to fight. Oh, yeah. um, including those ants like they they would go down with enough uh, of anything and then you also you get an item that's like a holy relic it's a cross that makes a little energy nimbus kind of fly around you and turn you invincible that's kind of uh you know a midway point between that pandora's box kill everything item yeah. and a more standard item and i always use those for ants because ants were quick and they took a lot of hits from almost anything else tips for the ants honestly uh the martian ray gun um, is mm. what is what uh, kills those in one hit. Um, also, um, you'll notice that in every level that has ants, you'll find a ton of uh, military men and bazookas. Yeah, um, and bazookas are great because uh, the 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 projectile isn't spent when it hits one thing, so you can actually right. get a bunch of them in a row and then knock them all out that way. And and the ant levels also tend to be kind of mazes and hedge mazes, so you're more likely to get a bunch of ants in a row yeah. to be able to use that. And and that's partially my fault. Um, something, if you're going to play this game, if you have any of the tendency to hoard um, <laughs> your, your resources, you have to give that up for this game because I, I do have that tendency to save things. And in this game, I, I know it makes sense because I'm saving them for these ridiculous bosses, but there's only three bosses, three or four bosses in the game. And I should, you know, if you're going to play and be successful, you need to be more free with things like your, your bazookas. And, uh, you know, your, your magical talismans and everything. On the flip side of that, there are lots of instances where you can royally bone yourself if you use up all of, A, your keys, or B, your bazookas. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a later level, um, which is kind of in that last stretch. It's one, of, it's one very soon after one of the password uh, checkpoints where uh, it's a chainsaw maniac maze. 
Um, and I love the chainsaw maniac mazes uh, throughout the game because mm. they're they're really great. I mean, the chainsaw the chainsaw monsters a they don't move very fast. B they're really susceptible to the clowns, and they're always found in these maze like environments like the warehouses. Mm-hmm. So so it becomes more of like an evasion kind of kind of game than actually uh, you know trying to take them out one by one. Because it feels really impossible. Uh, but later on, if you do not have bazookas stockpiled up, you start depending on the Chainsaw Maniac AI to start cutting through the mazes uh, right. for you. Because otherwise, you're, you're just going to be stuck with no way to progress forward. There are a lot of situations like that where they it's almost like they didn't consider it. Or it was just kind of, you know, this Nintendo hard, hey, fuck you. You should have, you know, right. thought about this thing. Whenever it's it's gave multiple. You an indication. Right. It's multiple things. It's not only that, but there's also an element of randomness to the game. Um, You open different containers like garbage cans and cabinets and you have different random chances of getting an enemy or just getting this little fuck you monster that that hurts you (laughs) a little bit. Um, So if you've done really well and were really lucky with keys or bazookas, you'd be in a good spot there. But if you didn't do as well and just got the keys and bazookas or if you're not, you know, when you're when you're playing each level, you're playing it to save the victims, but you're also playing it to stock up. Yeah. And uh, if you, you know, decide to say fuck it and get out of level quick. Or are forced to because of uh, you know dangers, then uh, you know you're going to run into that situation. I want to talk just a little bit more though about the the chainsaw levels. <laughs> um, the, the first one is level four, and it's a it's a hedge maze uh, full of victims, and there are these chainsaw maniacs going around. And this is this is one of my favorite. When we were talking earlier about um, levels where the design and the monster actually change the gameplay, um, this is one of the few examples I can think of, and one of my favorites. Um, one of the reasons why is that. You know, at the time you first run into these monsters, they're they're pretty tough to kill. If you've done really well with your items, you can though, and they incentivize it a lot. Like first of all, these are the only monsters that don't respawn. So, and you know, any given level with chainsaw maniacs, there'll be you know two if they're with other monsters, or maybe six if they're the only monster in the level. Yeah. And uh, if you can kill them, you get you know a huge point bonus, but then also you're free to explore the level as you will and and get everything from it. And uh, they also have this amazing, I love the sound element. When you get close to one, they, they rev their, you know, they pull the chain on their chainsaw. And it just, it, it's really, is one of my favorite, you know, the most fun kind of frantic moments in the game <laughs> was, uh, you know, just hearing that sound, like seeing a baby and then, but hearing that, you know, and uh, it was awesome. It was some of the most fun I had with this game were those levels. Yeah. And speaking of that little element of sound design, I can't give enough props to the music in this game. Although there are only like five tracks, all of them are these really kind of like funky organ kind of pieces. Uh, They're like both spooky and kind of like silly. Um, It's really good. Yeah, it's super good. And they do neat things. I mean, for the most part, they cycle between just a few different ones. But there are a couple unique pieces of music. Like any any level with the giant baby has that giant baby theme. Mm -hmm. Um, Any level with Martians also have their own music. Um, there's a there's a theme for the Martian invasion levels, yeah, and uh, that was really cool. But I I also love the the music in this game. Um, I encourage you to use as much of it as you, as you can <laughs> cutting it together. I'll pepper it. I'll pepper it throughout here liberally. And it's it's not only it's not only like funky party you know theremin disco monster mash music. Like some of it, there's a, a the second level has this um kind of somber creepy bass theme, yeah. but there's almost no lead instrument on it. It's just this ding 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 ding. Yeah. you know and that that song is great that's one of my favorite songs in the game you, you said about the music like the the, the monster mash party kind of thing I'll, I'll, we're gonna allow you to pause here and go watch the mr show bit about uh about monster <laughs> Dr- parties those pajama parties <laughs> yeah are, 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 uh, mysteries do they exist yes is my favorite line from that <laughs> that sketch <laughs> yeah so so you can come back when you're done with that we'll be, we'll still be here 
one of those levels where it goes from day to night too and those levels yes. get really dangerous later because werewolves again will mess you up something fierce and yeah. like there will be times where like okay first half of the level you're on a time limit because the second the sun goes down boom werewolves are out werewolves uh, may be my least favorite enemy in this game um the uh, they, they kind of mess it's kind of clever like they mess with the formula a little bit um some levels just spawn werewolves normally but most of the time when you run into them, it's when that, that sun goes down and some of your victims turn into a werewolf. Yes. So you, you get – you not only do you lose a victim automatically, but uh, you are faced with two because it's almost always the tourist, um, which are – they count as one victim, but it's a husband and wife standing there. Yeah. You get two really tough monsters at the same time. And they're just – they're really fast. They can hurt you a lot. They can, ju- they can jump over scenery too. Right. They can jump over scenery. They're only really weak to silverware. And silverware is a pretty rare item in this game. So it's those, those are one of my least favorite enemies. There are many times where I just was very frustrated by not being able to get to a victim in time and only to have them you know, shed their skin and turn into werewolves. <laughs> one of the nice things is when you actually do kill a werewolf, uh, their skin falls off and their soul <laughs> flies out of their mouth. Like it's, it's a really satisfying, <laughs> gruesome death for these fuckers. <laughs> Uh, so, so were there any um, kind of like highlight levels for you um, and like maybe even like low light levels? Like what what stuck out for you? Yeah, I, you know, I like those uh, those chainsaw levels a lot. Um, they're, they only do it a couple of times, but there are a couple of levels in this game where they have kind of a theme level that's a bit of a breather. Oh, yeah. Uh, which are really nice. Like there's a level uh, called like weeds, weeds, weeds. <laughs> that's exactly and what it, I was thinking of. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, weeds. So if you pull out your weed whacker. You're pretty much, you know, you can just walk forward without being harmed. The enemies can't really hurt you. The victims aren't in very much danger. And it's, you know, you just go around, get some supplies and kind of rest up. I feel like this game needed three times as many of these levels. <laughs> like if they would do that every each after each very difficult draining level, that would be really great. You know, that would, it would, it would help the pacing a lot. But really, that's the only one I can think of that's quite that. Other than the bonus levels, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. The bonus levels are all kind of breather levels. Yeah. But uh, in the main game, you only really run into the one easy resupply level. And having that more frequently, I think, would help a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and you notice that there's an arc uh, of those between each password point, which, you know, we should probably address that at, uh, at some point. You know, but as far as uh, other, you know, memorable, memorable levels or annoying levels, I, in concept, I really like the Martian levels. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an alien ship that kind of gets in the foreground and gets between... You know, you, the viewer, and the, and the, the player, and uh, fires lightning everywhere, and there are Martians, and they have a, a bubble gun that encapsulates <laughs> you in a, uh, in a red sphere for a time. That's very, very annoying. And, uh, you know, but still really cool. It has that special music, and you can find a couple copies of that Martian gun, which apparently is very good against ants. But even if, you know, even besides that, it's really fun to use. Yeah. Um, I really love the concept of those levels. I thought they were, re- you know, they're really hard again because the Martians are fucking speed demons. <laughs> like they just zip back and forth in this kind of seemingly random pattern. And it's really hard to avoid being hit by them. They be- they beam in too. So like you'll think that you're fine, but then like three will pop in on the screen and then there you go. You know, those, those levels are, 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 you know, again, good, good concept, kind of annoying execution. Um, a lot of the other levels kind of blend together for me. One thing I appreciate is that they kind of continually introduce uh, different level archetypes throughout the game. So you get to the, you know, you do the first ten or twelve levels, and you're going to run into the same level type a couple times. You know, you get a couple that are just neighborhood levels. You get a, a couple different stores, 
But then kind of halfway through the game, they're still introducing new things. Like there's a, a weird kind of beach cabana uh, level, you know, like <laughs> yeah. different beach houses. Um, there's like a desert that you that you go to with, with cliffs and everything. And these things kind of are still introduced throughout the game. They still kind of make an effort to keep it fresh. And I really appreciate that. And and there are there are enough locales that despite the fact that they do repeat, that by the time you come back around to one that you've already seen, it feels kind of new again. Um, I, I hold a special, uh, I, I hope that there's a special place in hell reserved for the level <laughs> spikes, um, <laughs> which is yeah, towards like, the end of the game, um, and is yeah, filled with werewolves sucks. and you cannot walk anywhere without taking damage from spikes. Yeah. There's all these, uh, plates on the floor where spikes kind of come up in a timed pattern and go down, which is a video game, you know, staple like every, every not every, but many video games have that. But not in games that require this kind of like frantic, like it requires thought in a game that spends the entire time discouraging thought and encouraging <laughs> like just reflex based play. You know, you have to stop and wait. And many times you can't. Like if you walk onto an area, there's no spikes there. There's an area with spikes and there's a neighbor. You can't, you know, a werewolf is going to get him or he's going to turn into a werewolf. You know, you you can't really wait. So you just have to take the damage. Um, kind of the pro tip for that level is to use, you know, we talked about the monster potion. Uh, there's three different potions you can get. The One of them is kind of a wild card potion, uh, but the other one turns you into a ghost. And uh, you're immune to spikes and can walk on water as a ghost. Yeah. So if you have a ghost potion, you can get through spikes pretty easy, or two, probably two, to get through the level. You know, it's funny, in, in this game, being turned into a ghost is a power-up, yet when I tell somebody that I'm going to turn them into a ghost in real life, all of a sudden <laughs> I'm in jail. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Um, but like going back to ones that I like that I do like, I liked any of the ones that were the quote unquote Dr. Tongue's castle template. Mm -hmm. uh, those were good because they were kind of this omnibus of the different monsters that you found. Um, and uh, there was a lot of like navigation and uh, kind of like key finding that you had to, you had to do. Um, and, uh, in general, I also like the pyramid ones because mummies were this nice, uh, this nice compromise between a zombie that dies in one hit and, uh, some of the later tougher enemies like the, uh, like the creatures from the black lagoons. Yeah. Mummies might be the most well-balanced monster in this game. Like they're a little bit slower than you. They take like six regular shots, you know, to kill. Like I had no problem with mummies. I always felt those were fair. Like every time I got hit or, or lost somebody that I felt, it felt fair. Um, I like the pyramid levels a lot too. And a lot of little secret passages and lots of uh, kind of appropriate items. Like you'd find a lot of Pandora's boxes and uh, the cross, you know, holy relic item yeah. there. So it makes sense that they'd be buried in these catacombs. Yeah. Speaking of those uh, creatures from the Black Lagoon, fuck those things. <laughs> oh, God. God, do I hate that monster. Like, and later, like the last 15 levels, almost every level has them. Yeah. In some way. Even in places where it doesn't like even make sense, like in the Dr. Tom's Castle levels, like, ooh, they're in the moat. Yeah, he's yeah. It's fucking. They're they're just they're not that hard to kill, but they're so quick. They and they jump out and just slash. You know, they're, they're they're by a victim. You're running towards a victim. They jump out, slash it once, and then jump back in the water. Mm -hmm. And it just it happened. And then there would be there. One of the neighbors is like a fat guy in an inner tube. <laughs> he's a lot like uh, Weird Al's stepdad in UHF. <laughs> uh, and, and if you, uh, but anytime he's around in the last half of the game, he's surrounded by fucking creatures from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, we'll talk about, you know, uh, the, just kind of go into difficulty as a, as a general thing and <laughs> talk about what we had to do to, to get through this here in, in a moment. But, um, you know, I the way I ended up beating this game was with save states. And there was a level with um, the creatures from the Black Lagoon that I was literally 
you know, I had a save state right before coming up a- across one of these neighbors in the inner tube. And it took me like 15 tries to get to him before the monsters did. And I tried putting on my speed shoes. I put on my walk on the water potion. I did everything and you just couldn't do it. It was just a, a, a mandatory hit. And since we're talking about annoying monsters, uh, again, special place in hell reserved for the Chucky dolls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those things fucking suck. They're not, they're not my least favorite, but they're pretty annoying. Yeah. They swarm. And, uh, there is at least a 50% chance that when you kill one, it will resurrect as a flame doll that will continue killing whatever victim you were trying to save at that very moment. Right. Right. And they throw axes really fast. Who thought to give these toys axes? That's not, that's not an appropriate toy for a child. They're packed in with tons of axes. Yeah. Tons of accessories. (laughs) Action. packed. Speaking of, you know, kind of like frustration, since we're complaining about the uh, the goddamn spiders in the game, um, you know, do you have any kind of general gripes? I mean, the difficulty is an obvious one. So you you, you resorted to using save states in an, in an emulator to try and beat mm-hmm. the game, right? Which, yeah, I bought the game on uh, on Virtual Console. So I I did, you know, do the right thing and got the game. But ultimately it was, you know, so I got up to around level, I want to say 32. Yeah after multiple attempts of get, trying to get through it and was just so pissed that I would, I would, I could play through and I would be fine with victims, but run out of lives or vice versa. And eventually just use save states. And the, the last gauntlet of the game is just fucking brutal. Like, I don't know if it's just a, a balance thing. Like if I, if I had another person playing with me, but I feel like this game is just a smidge too hard, especially near the, like the second half. Like it continued a kind of a, a gradual ramping up. Um, like it starts out, then I think it would still, you know, it could still be challenging and still be fun, but uh, ultimately kind of tips the scales in favor of frustrating. Like if you pass, if you pass word jump to the very end of the game, those last kind of like five or six levels, it's like the, it's like the goddamn cycle of Samsara It's just suffering and suffering and suffering <laughs> until all of, all of your wanting is just done. And you turn the, turn the, you know, reset button and you're just, you're just done. It, it kills you as a person. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it destroys, it destroys your humanity. It's absolute soul death is, yeah. is, is what that is. I think that's well, where spikes is at too, but yeah, tell, tell us, tell us about the, uh, so this is the kind of the, the biggest gripe with this game and, and definitely my number one issue. Um, but talk, about the password system cole the password system you can warp to um any level that i think has a like a multiple of four i think so it's like four levels password four levels password four levels password which is okay that's you know something that happened back then not every game uh needed to or could afford to have a battery save state so uh, okay but the problem with it is since it's just a four digit or four glyph password uh, you cannot say like, oh, I had this many, this this many Pandora's boxes at this point, or I had this many potions at this point. So when you restart from a password, you not only have the minimal number of victims available to you, but you have lost all of your weapons. Right. You start out with just 150 squirts of the the squirt gun, and the whole second half of the game, you know, squirt guns can kill zombies and aliens in one hit. Everything else, you know, is is more or less uh, varying degrees of kind of a damage sponge against this thing. So starting out, you know, trying to start out where you last played is really difficult, like really difficult. And not just weapons. I mean, not only are you not underarmed to fight these things, but keys are huge in this game. Like some of those last levels are so full of locked doors. And if you don't have a stockpile of keys that would be resulted from starting from the beginning of the game, 
you know, you're you really can just really fuck yourself. And by starting from the from the beginning of the game too, you can just come across skeleton keys, which open special doors. Many of which in the later parts of the game are actually required to pro- to progress because they contain you know the last neighbors. So you know, by playing through from the beginning of the game, you actually have a leg up because you won't have to beat a boss in a level because you already have the skeleton key that it would have given you. I don't know. It's it's a weird balance because you'd think based on that that it would be easy to play from the beginning of the game because you you amass this huge arsenal, but it's really not. Like it's still you you know you're gonna get be you know attrition is going to just kind of whittle down your life and your lives and your victims. So you can really just and it's it's kind of a pain to sit down and, and want to play you know four hours of this game every time you want to play it. Exactly. You know so that I would say is probably the the fatal flaw in this game. If you had passwords that gave you your items back so you could have multiple, and there are no continues or anything either. So if you lose all four of your lives, that's it. The password is the only way to to get back into the game. Well, no, not all four, all three. This isn't one of those games where it's like, okay, you, you, you know, zero counts as a life. Right. And the the point milestones that you have to pass in order to get A, an, an extra life, or B, an extra victim uh, they are few and far between. I think it's forty thousand points for an extra victim. It, it's forty thousand, and you'll see it. Like it will, it will happen. And they kind of balance it out with that. And there are also kind of interesting things you can do to to manipulate that. So, the game has a point system, and it's one of the most useful point systems that I've seen in a game. Like uh, most of the time, points are just there as kind of a holdover from the arcade games, where that's the point of playing the game. Or you know, you get an extra life every arbitrary amount, but it's not really important. Uh, and this game, points are very important. And kind of doing things, one of the the ways that I was able to get as far as I did playing through without save states the first time was you really want to take your time, um, you know, go out of your way to kill monsters if you can do it safely, and go for their bonus objecti- objectives yeah. in some of the levels. Which are many achievements almost. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's, that's, def- that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That's like they are kind of like precursors to achievements. And getting those is really important because, you know, if you get 1,000 points here, 5,000 points here, you're going to get closer to that 40,000 multiplier and get your victim back. And if you have all your victims, you'll get an extra life. Um, so, you know, it kind of balances it out, but they didn't quite find the exact middle point that they need to. Yeah. Some of, the, some of those uh, challenges are really, really hard. Like, uh, you yeah. know, you can, you can shoot down the UFO. Yeah, you have to, I did it as a kid, but I wasn't able to pull it off this time. Same here. You throw uh, soda can grenades into it. It has this little hatch. When it opens, you throw soda into it. Mm-hmm. Well, earlier when we were talking about the chainsaw uh, people, if you kill all the chainsaw uh, maniacs in each level, you get a, you get 5,000 points, which is a, a big jump towards uh, the next milestone. Yeah. So, so difficulty just in in general is a real problem for for this game. At least looking at it from a, from a modern perspective, you know the uh, people always decry, oh, this game's a baby game because they make it so you can save anywhere, or, you know, because it's balanced, you know, things like that. But this right. really is, I, I think, the the only game that we've played so far that, and I'm sorry to use a TV tropes term here, is sure. Nintendo Hard, capital N, capital H. Yeah, th- this game is super tough. It's definitely the hardest game we've played so far. So there's kind of two, you know, traditional design wisdom says that if you want to make something hard and you want it to be fair, it should feel like the players, fault. like the players should feel like it's their fault when they fuck up. Right. Like when I fail in a game, I should feel like, okay, this is what I should have done better. I agree with that, but I would uh, add to a second point to that is it's necessary to let the player try again. <laughs> In those same states. And this one, like, I could fuck up and be like, okay, if I was a little bit quicker or, okay, now ahead of time, I know there are werewolves in this level, so I should equip the speed shoes right away so I can get to them in time. But if I run out of lives, I just, I can't try that without going through the whole fucking game again. 
Like it's important to be able to know what to do different, but also to be able to have an opportunity to do it again. Hey, rebuild this house of cards. Right, right, exactly. And, yeah. and you know, just that one last card you're placing, if you don't get it in the exact right spot, you know, knowing what spot afterwards is all well and good, but I don't want to just send, spend all day building houses of cards. I've never built a house card in real life. I'm, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> you know, you know uh, I don't know. It, get, it's, it is frustrating. Gary, I think you should just get better at video games, honestly. Get, get better at video games and get better at building houses of cards. There is there is an attitude. You're talking about that, <laughs> that, that like the Nintendo hard, you know, it's like uh, like you're a Nintendo dick. Like it's this weird dick contest. You know, it's like who's got the biggest Sega CD-ness, you know, like the and, and that's there, there's an attitude. I just don't I don't get it. Like I don't I did not have that attitude. You know, I just I, I, I play through like I play games where it's an experiential thing. You know, it's not uh, uh, to test my reflexes or anything like that. And maybe that's just because I'm an old man, but um, and not why I play games. Yeah. And I, 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 I am also in the same boat as you. I attempted to do the save state thing after I gave up on my virtual console copy. Um, but uh, for Mac, there are very few good emulators and mm. the save states were just uh, too slow. Um, on mine so i was like you know what screw it i've already I've, i beat the game you know 15 years ago so there's no there's no reason for me to rebeat it right um you know and, I've, I've seen the last boss i know how horrifying it is right the, the uh the last boss is uh you know dr tongue his kind of go-to move is to turn to a spider <laughs> and you, you fight him once he turns into a spider and that's it but the last boss after you go through his really complicated castle um he turns into a spider and after you beat the spider he turns into this giant head that shoots tongues at you <laughs> and uh it's awesome like he you know how uh in old in old video games you know a lot of times the boss as you brought him closer to death he would just flash uh in kind of increasing speed but the kind of the flesh sloughs off of of dr tongue's head <laughs> and he becomes little you know just kind of a fractured skull with blood you know it's really gruesome and, and awesome yeah um the actual boss horrifying horrifying when i was younger gary yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Like old old games have that weird ability to be cartoonish and still scare the shit out of you. God, and I and I love that kind of sixteen bit trope of we're going to make this feel significant by making the enemy fill the entire screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's really large, yeah. which is awesome. And and speaking of the, you know the ending, so I I beat it using save state this last time, you know, just barely. Like I. And I, I had played through it all those times without using them. So I literally was thinking from moment one how to beat those last, like, ten levels. So it's like <laughs> any opportunity I could to to skip a boss, you know, so I didn't have to waste ammo on it, I would. Anything, you know, any, I was trying to save all of my Pandora's boxes, save everything, yeah. and beat the game. And it's got a really satisfying ending. <laughs> um, one of the things it does that's really cool is that uh, there's a credit level. So instead of doing a traditional credits, it's a, a level in the game with caricatures of all the LucasArts designers that when you walk up to them, they tell you their, their name and they're all cartooned out. Like they have giant heads or they have, um, you know, there, there's one that's like a human head on a spider body <laughs> and stuff like that. And that's really fun. Um, but one of the really satisfying things is it gives you over a fireworks display, just counts of all the monsters you've killed. So it shows a monster and tells you how many you've killed. And it's just hundreds and hundreds, you know, of, of some of these really obnoxious things. And it's just really fun. You're like, oh, I killed, you know, 230 of those fucking creatures from the Black Lagoon. You know, <laughs> awesome. Good riddance. Good riddance. The, the world is 230 times better yep. than, than it once was. And there's also, um, speaking of LucasArts in humor, there's a bonus level that's based on Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Um, I got that when I was younger, but I didn't get it this time. It way flew over my head when I was younger because I had no idea uh, what Day of the Tentacle was. Yeah, yeah. I, at the time, I had played Maniac Mansion, so I, I recognized those. Oh yeah, those creatures. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the bonus levels. Okay. Real quick, because um, some of these are, are it's kind of a clearinghouse for the the more kind of creative ideas or, or weird levels for them. I didn't get as many this time, unfortunately. The one that I remember the most is uh, a place that is very warm, mm-hmm. you know, which is hell. It's filled with lava, and it's like this rocky place, which is neat. Um, but uh, can you tell me about a couple more? Yeah, they, they do. They do the bonus levels as kind of those uh, those breather levels we were talking about, where like most of the time your victims are going to be all up front and pretty easy to rescue. Because since they're optional levels and they don't let you skip anything, they don't want to actually penalize you for getting them. But they also they fill them with really powerful items and one ups and stuff. Um, there's a the tentacle one. I got one called uh, Mushroom Men, oh, yeah. which is another uh, plant base level, but with more. There's kind of this rare enemy that's this little mushroom man who walks around. He doesn't appear very often in the game, but he's everywhere in this bonus level. And then I also got a level called uh, Curse of the Pharaohs, which is a, a mummy filled level that is also full of goodies. Oh, yeah. Everything. The way you find these levels is you get a, a question mark block. And they tend to be hidden or behind, like, you have to have an extra skull key or, like, a ridiculous number of, of regular keys. They're pretty tough to get. Um, but when you unlock them, they're always pretty fun. Yeah, rewarding exploration in kind of a really basic uh, kind of way. Or, you know, <laughs> kind of compensating you for taking the risk to go out of your way to get them. Right, right. And, it, I mean, you know, and it, and it is, the whole game does that with the, the whole, uh, you know, do I want to take extra time to to bolster my my arsenal, or whether I want to just kind of get to the next level before I lose more resources? <laughs> I would say that you know is is one of the like the primary mechanics of the game is kind of making that choice, you know. Between and when I replayed it with the save states, I was conscious of that at all times. Just a basic risk reward. So, so as much as this game is really frustrating, I think that um, you know it's pretty safe to recommend it. It's it's a fun game. It is, uh, you know, if you think of it as an arcade action game, you know, if you're not trying to beat it for a deadline, um, <laughs> you, you will you will have fun with it. If you yeah. just sit down, especially if you have someone to play. If with. you have a buddy, it's good. It's so great. I'm glad that I'm glad that I did get it and rebuy it. A because the only version that I own is the Genesis version, mm-hmm. um, and also because I can now play this with my brother, whoever happens to be around. It'd be a fun little party game to play. So it's it's nice to have that back in my life. Yeah, super good reason to have uh, two classic controllers. Yes. On, on the Wii. So, so tell me about your memories of the game from when it, you know from when it was kind of you know first run in the theaters to stick with the motif. Yeah. I, um, so this is uh, one of the at that time when I had a Super Nintendo and I was in my you know I was just fourteen or so. Um, you know, I only had a couple of games, so. This was a good example of the kind of game, and I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it, but also the kind of game that you would master for lack of anything else to play. <laughs> you know, if, if I had, you know, I, there was a time when I had this Super Mario World and uh, Turtles in Time, and that was it. Um, I think I got this with my with that initial batch. Those were the first, you know, I got two games and uh, and a Super Nintendo all at the same Christmas. And uh, I just, I played the shit out of it. I had, you know, friends over to play it. Um, I would, and I played it on, the, you know, kind of the worst way, to play it this is kind of a weird uh thought but at the time i just had a black and white tv like remember okay. black and white tvs <laughs> I, they, they weren't i mean they weren't even around that much in in the mid 90s but i was a little poor kid and uh you know i just kind of took what i could get 
So I didn't I didn't actually see this game in color until I came revisited it as an adult, not necessarily for the podcast, but when I was just thinking about the game and looked it up. So everything I had seen was in black and white, oh, wow. um, which was difficult for the potions. <laughs> um, the potions look the same um, in that way. But uh, I remember as a kid, you know, I never beat this as a kid, but it didn't matter. Like it was it was kind of I would just fire it up and get as far as I could um, just to kill time for those couple hours. It wasn't really goal based, you know, which was is more akin to like Tetris or or geometry, geometry wars or something like that. And uh, it was one of my first experiences with a game like that where I wasn't trying to beat it or get the story or, or anything. Yeah, it's like it was a it was an exercise almost. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my, my story, I was I was younger when, when it when it came out. Um, but man, this this is just inexorably linked with my dad. Actually, it was kind of a it was kind of a family activity for, mm-hmm. for for us. You know, whenever I go over to his house on weekends or whatever, when he had me, uh, you know, we'd play it just just feverishly. And uh, it's actually kind of funny because my dad for for for, for as not for as much of a non gamer as he is. With him and and his 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 brother, my uncle, they would they would play this together when whenever you know they were in town together, or you know they had like all the way down to like a legal pad worth of passwords that we reference like the Bible to get you know, to get to where we to where we needed to be, um, and it was kind of this thing that we kept on doing, you know, well past when it was a new and you know relevant game. In fact, I think the time that I saw the ending of the game was uh, when I was on vacation. In South Carolina, like late at night playing, and of course, Doctor Tongue's, you know, gigantic fractured skull demon uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, horrified me, and I was just so amped up because, like, are, are we going to beat it? Are we going to beat it? Yes, we are going yeah. to beat it. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, all of this thread of of you playing video games on vacation. Was it was it other? It was Mega Man X and Mega Man, Disney yeah. World. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's those were vacations for a little hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so we'd go to like South Carolina or something, and it would just be like, oh, we're gonna rent this house and just kind of chill on the beach. And what are you gonna do at night? You know, when you're like when you're like four, you're gonna or you're gonna not four, God, when you're like you know <laughs> you know seven or eight, you're gonna play this you know video game right. when you. So so yeah. I, you know. I used to do kind of similar, not uh, with my Super Nintendo, but kind of my Nintendo era where I would go visit my dad. And uh, even thinking back on it, it feels feel a little bit bad about it because it's like, you know, I would want to bring whenever I went over to my dad's for the weekend, I'd want to bring my Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that wasn't like a slap in the face to him. Like, oh. you know, you only get to see me four days a month and I want to have, you know, if I'm not playing Arista's Ring, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy or, or you know, yeah. Maniac Mansion or Castlevania 2 or any of those games I, I associate with uh, playing over at his house that's one of those things but when you're a kid you're so selfish you know yeah it just it, you, you have to hope that they forgive i I was the same way and, and as I, we and get old, older about we it. get better you know, you know? <laughs> exactly so. trying trying to realize how valuable that time is and 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 was but uh man you know that's that's one of those things where you, you know whether it's an older brother or an older friend of the neighborhood or your, or your dad or whatever man older people were so much better at video games than i was <laughs> Like even to this, like I, I, I was not, I am not as good at zombies now as my dad was when we were playing it then. So it was just one of those things where, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, here am I here? You got past that level or, oh, it's the hard part. Let me hand the controller over, controller over to you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of neat. God, that's a good I, memory. Yeah. I bet you it comes from, um, you know, not, you know, cause you're talking about how your dad wasn't very much of a gamer. And I had kind of a similar experience as well. And I think it's because you come at it from a different angle. Like you're sitting down without the broader context of games and you're just thinking, okay, you know, I'm taking these mechanics as they are. 
you know, this is the reality. You're not making these comparisons to other games. You don't know that there are just other games out there that require different things. Yeah. So it's easier to kind of master something, you know, if you're just coming at it. Like, a, you know, my, I, my dad never did that, but I had an uncle um, who played the shit out of, uh, like, not uh, adventure games, but, like, graphical text adventure games. Okay. Um, and he was the uncle who introduced me to Myst. And he was really bad at reflex games, but he was a savant at, like... <laughs> at graphical text adventures and not just in the way that anyone can be if you're persistent enough and he was he knew the logic of them perfectly he was like keyed into the way of thinking and it was just i think that was just because that was the hobby it was so Mm -hmm. narrow that it was able to be that focused whereas people like us who just kind of like video games in general you know have to free up i mean this is all probably bullshit (laughs) and just you know uh psychology today like garbage but it almost seems like the fact that i can play lots of different games means i don't i don't kind of don't master any of them Oh, it's classic you know? depth versus breath. And just uh, I want to take just like a moment too and think about um, how awesome it was that this game was put out by LucasArts. Like <laughs> I remember when that company used to be this kind of source for really neat, weird games. Um, you know, not just uh, like uh, Day of the Tentacle, and uh, you know they also did um, you know all those like LucasArts adventure games. Like they did um, Loom. And uh, just it was in Zach McCracken, and it used to just be kind of a cool company until it just became all Star Wars all the time. Yeah, and it's funny because you know they're primarily a PC developer, and they're 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 notable in their adventure games for never letting you be able to die, or very right. rarely. And then when they <laughs> when they went to console, they're like, nope, and yeah, we're gonna only, make you die all the time. Not only do you have to die all the time, but everybody who you, you know and love, yeah. their mechanic is just going to be stopping them from dying, and they're going to die. Yep. You know, there's. Just uh, can you think of, and we don't have to leave this in, but can you think of what are the, some other games like uh, LucasArts did that are not Star Wars or adventure games? Are there any other ones? Is this the only weird like kind of outlier? God, that is a tough question because like they like Luke, LucasArts has changed so much. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like they used to be kind of a place for you know games that I really liked. Like it was a spot that I liked, and now not so much. <laughs> Okay, so this is a segment that I that I want to try out and see how you guys like it. Uh, it just so happens that this is a game where I happened to own the original box for Zombies Ate My Neighbors on the, on the Genesis. And, you know, I was kind of going back and looking at it. Unfortunately, I lost the manual because I was terrible about manuals back in the day. Um, but uh, reading the back of it was kind of a revelation into how terrible video game copy used to be you know this was you know the source of all of the kind of mythology in the world that in the manual and then whatever ads that you had and just how they chose to represent the game with this writing is just atrocious like you can tell that nobody at LucasArts did this it was you know PR people PR people for Konami so 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 tone deaf so what we decided to do is uh, do a dramatic reading slash critique of the copy on the back of the zombies <laughs> ate my neighbor's box but uh, let's let's get started okay all right. The neighbors are just dying to meet you. Hey, where's that scary music coming from? Yikes. It's Zombies Ate My Neighbors, where you appear in every demented horror flick ever to make you hurl jujubes. Is jujube a candy? Yeah, jujubes are, are a candy. The way they're spelling it, I think, is wrong. It looks like it's like jujubes. Jujubes. Should I censor that out? Is that a racial slur? Yeah. And, and I don't know if uh, hurling jujubes, like, I don't want to hurl at horror movies. <laughs> no. Like, is the idea, like, yeah, the horror movie is bad enough to make you puke, or is it just, like, you throw them? I, 
I, you know, know. I, I think that it's a double entendre, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe there's a little bit more depth than Yeah, my, yeah. Well, let's, yeah. Let's, let's look into this a little bit further. Tell me what we're talking about here. What? Are two wholesome teenage stars doing in a 16-bit game like this? Trying to save the nice neighbors, cheerleaders, and babies from a fate worse than polyester. You know, I'm happy somebody is able to take a strong stance on fabrics um, yeah, in, in this it, day and age. You know that that reminds me of, and it's it's not hopefully not too in depth to to get into, but like there's a weird intersection of kid media and weird schlocky sixties, seventies, fifties adult humor. <laughs> like I don't, it's it's kind of like a you know like as a little kid, I was always aware that like fruitcakes were cheesy and bad, but only because of things making fun of them, not because I'd ever been exposed to one. Yeah. And as a kid, I didn't know what polyester was, but I'd heard like you know Tiny Toons or Bugs Bunny make references to it, like they were you know, the warm-up comedian <laughs> in, like, a fucking Vegas, like, strip show. Yeah. You know, and you get this kind of, like, sense of that. Or, like, the, like, Rosebud. Like, I always knew what Rosebud was well before I knew anything about Citizen Kane. Yeah. There's this weird way that kids' media references old jokes. Well, it's cultural hand-me-downs. Yeah, but with, with no sense of the context. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know what the fuck polyester. I mean, I knew it was a fabric, but I didn't know why it would be bad. It, it, it just makes me feel, I, I've always been kind of a kind of a cultural outsider with people my own age because I, I, I fell asleep to Nick at night every night. So, mm. like, you know, I was like, oh, Bewitched was great. What's Bewitched? Like, we're watching, you know, Saved by the Bell. Oh, well. <laughs> this, this marketing, that PR guy was, you were the demographic. Exactly, right. For this, like, let's get the kid who falls asleep to Nick at night. Exactly. <laughs> if we sell, you know, him a copy of this, and then, uh, you know, he happens to have, like, 100,000 friends. Yeah, yeah. If he happens to have a very successful podcast. Yeah. <laughs> let's continue. Who? could put this slice of suburbia in such goose pimply hysteria zombies relentless chainsaw maniacs mummies evil dolls that just won't die that's true lizard men blobs vampires giant ants martians and more i don't see anything wrong with that that's okay no, that, that's a good one slice is capitalized <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that uh, you know um where else will they turn up find your way through 55 horror filled levels like a grocery store gone bad a shopping mall awry a mysterious island and your own backyard. Don't miss Weird Kids on the Block, Mars Needs Cheerleaders, and Dances with Werewolves. Which those are love those are titles of the levels, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the uh I like how it runs the gamut from grocery store to shopping mall. Um both of which use the exact same assets exact same level. in the game. I also like how they're called horror fill. Like I you know, one of the, one of the reactions I really wanted, you know, uh, I thought about this game. Is just, you know, if anyone ever is just like, oh, yeah, you know, you guys are doing Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I'm like, yeah, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, you know, it is not a, a horror, horror game. Will these crazy kids survive the night? You can fend off freaks with a virtual candy counter of weapons like Uzi squirt guns, exploding soda pop bazookas, weed whackers, and ancient artifacts. Grab power-ups Orama. <laughs> like secret potions and bobo clown decoys use your victim radar viewer does this game ever end <laughs> which is i mean that's that, that's a that's a very uh distressed and existential question you know astute point there's definitely points where i thought about that got the pr guys just had to you know we're just re watching a, a video of vhs tape of someone playing the game writing down this copy and just uh, keeping a log yeah so in conclusion play 
Zombies ate my neighbors. But don't be surprised if your friends are missing when you hear the sound of the chainsaw hissing. Which isn't too bad. I like that. That's well, that's yeah. in line with the tone. It's like a little rhyme, you know? There's kind of a weird uh, picture on the back of the box. If you look at the one on the upper left, if it's the same one I have, it shows the kid facing off against one of those werewolf souls escaping. But, but that really looks like they're, he's fighting a ghost. Like It almost looks like a, an enemy. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, there aren't ghosts in this game. What's he doing? <laughs> but really, it's a, it's a, a werewolf soul. Uh, the back of the box always lies. Mm-hmm. about all we have to say about uh, zombies ate my neighbors as always uh we at watch out for fireballs encourage listener participation and want to hear what you have to say about the games we want to talk about um this game we got a lot of responses so we're just gonna we're going to read those off and uh pick our our favorite and again you will win um a comparably priced game to what Shadowrun on the sega genesis should cost on the virtual console if it were not unjustly unavailable Correct. Um, if you want to uh, get in contact with us and share your thoughts, we'll probably mention this information again. But you can contact us at Watch Out for Fireballs at DuckFeed.tv. Also, you can give us a call at the voicemail line. That's 419-834-WOFF. And there's always the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Watch Out for Fireballs. Do you want to take the first one, Gary? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this first one. This is from a, a Al, exclamation point, Al. On the, uh, <laughs> Al. 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 Uh, on the Something Awful forums, again, a, a great source of uh, support for the show, and uh, we, we love that place. And uh, Al says here, Zombies Ate My Neighbors was one of my favorite games growing up, and pretty much the reason, or at least the justification, for having a Game Genie. I remember I had a ton of secrets and interesting item-slash-enemy interactions. I was, of course, terrible at the game without cheating, but because of my Game Genie, I got to see its multitude of extremely creative levels based on schlocky horror. Lucas Arts in their prime. See, we're not alone in cheating. <laughs> no, no, we're not. I didn't. I never had a Super Nintendo Game Genie, but if I had one, I probably would have used it for this game. Oh yeah, I would have. I would have used the crap out of that. That's a good reason to use it too, if you just want to see more of the game. Yeah, if you, I want to see more of what I paid for. Is that so wrong? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I miss the Game Genie. Now it's like action replay. Eh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from Osmosish. <laughs> on the Something Awful forums. Man, I played the crap out of that game when I was a child. That game is not busy at my neighbors. I especially remember how awesome the alien blaster gun was. Other fond memories include the completely bullshit giant babies that were virtually unkillable, and that it was one of the first games I played that had real resource scarcity. Usually, we would die because we just plain ran out of good weapons. Oh, and of course, it was one of the most fun two-player co-op games of the day. There were so many secrets, too. Usually, you could get there by blowing up walls uh, with the bazooka or punching them in with werewolf transformation power. Or, oh man, I'm going to go see if my old Genesis still runs now. Don't play it on don't the Genesis, do it. man. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Do that. <laughs> I, don't, no. Um, I, I guess if you're if you're used to it, that yeah. uh, you know, it's the it's the devil, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, touching touching on on the secrets and yeah. also that resource scarcity that we Whew. we talked about. Yeah. Um, which you know is a is one of the one of the first games I played where that's you know one of the central mechanics. So, um, this is from Bobulus, uh, also on the Something Awful forums. And he says, he or she says, the part I thought was fairly innovative were the stages with the hedge mazes and the chainsaw killers. 
Sure, at later levels, you could just kill the killers, but at the early ones, you didn't have anything you could do about it, and you basically just had to run through the maze and hope they didn't catch you. Pretty different gameplay from most games of that age. Uh, yeah, and that's that's definitely true. Um, kind of ties back into that pursuit as a game mechanic thing we've talked about a few different times. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not the basis of, but it's it's cool that that made that impression on you at that age. And like that that experience of learning, okay, it's not worth trying to take these guys out. It's better just to run. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good little like moment of revelation uh, mm-hmm. from the trial and error, which is nice. All right. Uh, from Michelle via Facebook. Michelle was actually the one who recommended this game back at the uh, back of the podcast inception. Oh. Uh, thank so thank you, you so much. Yeah. Uh, Zombies is an amazing classic game that I still play and looks amazing on a projector screen. Heart thing shape uh insert in there i'm not sure how you do that uh that's one of those games that has stood the test of time still has that level of difficulty that makes reaching the codes for levels worth all the time put into it and the music gets stuck gets stuck in my head rather frequently that or the noise of the clown punching thing makes the the, uh, one of my favorite things about that clown um is that it reacts every time the enemy hits it and certain enemies can hit it really rapidly. <laughs> sometimes it'll just make a regular regular noise, but sometimes it'll be like, ah, you know, and just kind of like loop really, really quickly as they like a chainsaw maniac is on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, finally, our last comment is from Andrew, and we received this via email. And Andrew says, Zombies, to me, was a great game that really was the last of the Nintendo hard games. And this podcast was a good reason for me to blow the dust out of my SNES cart and turn it on for a few more rounds. Even though I bought this game early in the summer after 8th grade, this game really does scream Halloween to me. With so many other good zombie games out there, it's easy to forget the first really good game to come out in the survival horror genre, if this can be considered that. And I think is overall, I think it's overall a great game that everyone should play. The game really hits home to me, with a lot of nostalgia from way back when, and it reminds me of long Saturdays playing this game with friends. Thank you for choosing this game and giving me an excuse to reminisce, and for you guys getting people who have never played this masterpiece to experience a piece of their childhood, which they probably never knew was missing. So thank you, Andrew. Uh, you're yeah. super welcome. And that's you know one of the things that we try to do with this game. I really like the idea of people uh, kind of giving these old games a shot. And the idea that we could influence that or get people to do that is really kind of heartening and, and great. Yeah. So Rediscovering the classics here on Watch Out for Fireballs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really glad uh, glad that we were able to help out with that. I'm not sure if I could if I would call this game survival horror, even though it's not maybe as off-base as it initially seems because that resource management really is kind of the hallmark of, of survival horror. And this game definitely has that. It's it's one of those things where it's not so much scary as it is tense. Um, it probably falls in line with Resident Evil 4 uh, as compared to Code Veronica in that sense. One is, you know, scary and frightening. The other one is just kind of like, oh, my God, when's it going to end? My adrenaline's been up for about a half an hour. Right. But with the, with the combination or with the, uh, the inclusion of that resource management and that kind of um, uh, fragility of your, of your character, that's kind of a hallmark of survival horror. Yeah. So... So this one's going to be tough. We're going to step into our deliberation room and uh, emerge with a verdict. <laughs> that's, that's the chamber. And in a very narrow victory, Bobulus takes the gold. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a photo finish. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of like, uh, you know, we kind of chose that comment. I like the specificity of it. 
Um, you know, it, it's it's talking about a specific kind of mechanic and uh, you know, it's insightful. I like all these comments are great. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Andrew, uh, you know, definitely gave me the most warm heartsies. Yeah, feeling. And, so, and I just appreciate everybody taking the time to you know play even just to think about the games and to uh, and to keep us in mind. So that is uh, that makes me feel good. And uh, you know, in my heart, all of you are winners. Yeah, you all in 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 our hearts, you each get uh, the equivalent value of Shadowrun on Virtual Console, but in reality, Bobulus. Bobulus, uh, that. So you are the winner. we will <laughs> we will be in touch with you, uh, Bobulus, about figuring out you know like a another Virtual Console game or a Steam game or. Or anything, um, and like I said, we, we said this last episode, but we're real flexible about these things. Yeah. Um, you know, we've donated to charity. We've, you know, we can just PayPal you a couple bucks, whatever. Um, whatever you want, whatever, whatever form you want this to take is yeah. good with us. If you want to get in touch with us and um, play along with the games that we're going to be doing, uh, we mentioned it before with the responses, but you can email us, watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash um, watch out for fireballs again. And uh, always the voicemail, 419-834-WOFF. Uh, the next game that we're going to be playing is the Sega Genesis version of Shadow Run, which is unavailable uh, through legal means. But you can listen to last week's episode to hear our justification for why this is okay. <laughs> uh, justification may not be the right uh, noun for that, but uh, I, yeah, for lack I, of anything better, <laughs> right? And so you know, if you want to play along with that, that would be that would be awesome. Um, it's a super good game if you uh, you know if you like that kind of proto open world. Uh, RPG adventure kind of game. Um, following that, so um, a month's time from now, um, we're going to be doing The Longest Journey. Which is a game for PC. It can be purchased um, through goodoldgames.com for uh, the uh, sum of $10. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's available on Steam or not. Yeah, and keep an eye out um, on Good Old Games for sales, too. So oh. it, that, it seems like that game is on sale pretty frequently um, for like $6. Or five dollars as well. It is available on Steam as well. Uh, this 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 episode at the time of recording, at the time of press, uh, it's going out in mid November. So we're en- we're entering a lot of holiday deals. So uh, always be on right. the lookout. Um, if you missed a game that we talked about previously, you can get them for very cheap around this time by using these services, which is which is good for everybody. You know, saves money for later. And if we see any uh, any particularly good deals, we'll we'll throw them up on the Facebook page. Yeah, there. Um, you know, and if you wanted to, uh, you know, as we said, if you want to get along with, get in touch with us because you want to play along. Otherwise, if you just want to get in touch with us just to share your thoughts or ask us question or, uh, any, any way at all, you know, we'd encourage that. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. We check, uh, check that Facebook and the email and the voicemail, uh, with some regularity. So if you have anything to say, we'll definitely hear about it. Um, if you are interested in helping out the show, um, the most kind of, direct and concrete way you can do that is by leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. Um, you know, I don't, we don't know exactly how that works. We just know that it, it helps us out a lot. Uh, we get higher in the rankings, more people are going to hear about the show. Uh, it's going to snowball and, and, uh, we could really use that help from, from you guys, because unlike a lot of uh, video game podcasts, we're not associated with a magazine or a company or anything like that. We're just two, two dudes 
um, you know, who, who want to talk about all the games and want to uh, include you guys with it. So if, any help that you can give us is really appreciated. There's room for the family to grow. So, so the iTunes, <laughs> the iTunes reviews, um, that, that, that is the, the most concrete way to help. You can also, and I feel like such a heel for doing this. The hosting is just about up for the, for the website. So we're doing a big redesign, uh, for the entire duckfeed.tv website. You can go to duckfeed.tv slash donate. Um, if you do feel like throwing a couple of bucks our way, uh, to help defray the cost of hosting, not necessary at all i'm not trying to shake you down or anything like that but uh it is it is one way if if you are feeling uh like you have a heart that can grow three times as big uh <laughs> you know just uh, if you're swelling with generosity that 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 is one way to do it but it's you know it's it's you know i wouldn't even say it's encouraged it's just an option that's there and it does it does help uh uh kind of defray that so that's more, another option but in general you know you can just kind of follow us on Facebook and talk to us about these games and talk to us about the show. Tell your friends about it too. Like yeah. if you like it and you're just like, Hey, I listen to this cool thing, you know, or you, you're on the internet and someone's discussing in depth, uh, the, the finer points of, of mist or something like that. You can uh, say, Hey, I know some guys who discussed in depth, the finer points of mist. <laughs> um, another kind of announcement thing that we have is we're going to start, uh, really tentatively, tentatively branching out into, into kind of merchandise, type stuff um we're gonna make some buttons and uh we're probably you know i am pretty sure that you can send a a button with the cost of a stamp um if you once we have them i'm sure we'll put some pictures up on on facebook um i don't know i can't imagine we're really gonna you know these are gonna just cost us to send you like 50 cents so i don't really have any problem just kind of giving these to anybody who wants them yeah so i mean yeah cost of a stamp if you want a button just let us know um we'll we'll put them up once we have them we'd be happy to, to send them to you um, and we, we might branch out into kind of some other things that maybe will have more concrete value and we won't be able to give away so freely, <laughs> but, um, this is something we just kind of want to, you know, we're, we're flattered that somebody uh, likes to show enough to, to wear a button. So we'd be happy yeah. to give you one. And, and if you have any ideas of like what you would want to see, um, out of that, you know, feel free to let us know because there are probably avenues that we hadn't considered that might be uh, that might be a great way. And we, and again, res- responsivity is kind of the name of the game. So we want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any other, uh, Anything else? I, I think that's all the uh, all the admin stuff. Uh, just in general, if you want to hear uh, more of our podcraft, you can check out Gary's show. It is a fantastic music slash comedy variety program called Dead Idea Valhalla. That's available at deadideavalhalla.com. Yep. And if you are interested in uh, newer games, uh, Cole has a show called Standard of the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This. Um, each week he you know he tackles uh some various subject and and some new releases uh with a group of like-minded or not like-minded but (laughs) uh, you know also intelligent funny gentlemen (laughs) and uh if you are uh just interested in in kind of a comedy and weird news thing that he does he does a a show called those damn ross kids he does with his brother it is very funny comes out once a week well worth your time and your hard drive space so uh now that we have given you all of the homework imaginable in the world (laughs) uh you know we've we've kind of been dodging around the most important issue but uh you know we really can't underline it enough right right i mean if, if we can leave you with one piece of advice uh for the show it would be always watch out for fireballs
walk up and you're just like, you know, hi there, how are you? And 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 the the kid is like, I have a ball. You can bounce it if you want. Like he's it's, it's sounds super like a creepy. South Park character. There might be something wrong with his face. That's sad. Yeah, <laughs> it is sad. Was it that uh, smile train? That charity for hair lip? Oh yeah, yeah. Clower cleft palate. I get those two things confused. Are they the same thing? Yeah, they're the same thing. Except I get, I think hair lip is um is is offensive. Okay. So uh, I won't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am doing this over Skype. If you just cleverly hidden your your cleft palate with a mustache, the entire every picture I've seen of you. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm fine. I just you know I'm you're on, you're on the smile train. <laughs> 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 uh, 